Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Maps Hysteria, a podcast all about Married at First Sight. Today, Omar and I are really excited because we're joined by sex and intimacy coach from the series, Charlene Douglas. Hey, Yay. hey guys, how are you guys doing? We are very excited to have you. How are you? I am very well. I have spoken about maths probably like every single day, and this day is no different. <laughs> 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 and I love it. I have to say, I, I love talking about Married at First Sight. So. It must be it must be such an intense experience because when do you finish when do you finish filming it in the spring? June, August time. So it kind of it sort of wraps up then during the summer. Um, so we film for quite a few months. We're probably about four or five months all in total. So um, it's in our world. I feel like it's in our world for a whole year, like in terms of filming. And then obviously when it comes out, it's like topical conversation. So it's literally like all year round pretty much yeah I imagine it's a lot because like you say even when you've finished filming then it gets shown on tv and then you've got the huge fallout from that um I mean because one thing I wanted to ask you about was I've talked on the podcast about potential unconscious bias against some of the women in the program for example we had Jonathan make a couple of size comments do you think we've seen sort of misogyny at play or have I gone a bit too dark with my thoughts there no I I think that you know I think there are of course different labels that people are attaching to certain behaviors I I probably wouldn't go down the route of labeling anything you know in in terms of what I'm going to say next but I think that Jonathan has 
recognized like some of his wrongdoings I think in that moment I think you know when you make a comment and everyone's saying that's wrong that's wrong that's wrong you you can respond in two ways you can be super humble and be like you know what I'm really sorry like I didn't realize and you know I'm going to learn from that but oftentimes when we feel like we're sort of backed into a corner we want to sort of fight back and we'll, we'll sort of sometimes say things that may make the situation worse and I think Jonathan did that, you know, you know, the expert said that on the show, the other cast members were saying that to him. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he's learned from that, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, <laughs> last night we saw the dinner party, the latest dinner party, didn't we? Yeah. And he did seem to be taking it on the chin a bit that he couldn't make those comments and that he should be more aware mm. of people's feelings, I thought. I felt, I felt really sorry for him last night. Especially mm. Thomas, who you know he does he, he does go to ten quite quickly. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I thought Jonathan was trying to show some some contrition, and Thomas had already decided that he was going to have a go at him. He'd already put it all in the letter. So it was. Yeah, I think I think the thing is for Jonathan, like, what do you do if you genuinely believe that it's okay to say that I don't like women that look a particular way like you know he just felt like that's okay to say and it didn't matter what the feedback was for him he just wasn't seeing it a different way that's hard because he's a nice guy and so I suppose he doesn't want to be seen as a, as a horrible person but he was trying to be honest as well but it just didn't go down too well. Yeah, we've had the discussion quite a few times about having a type, and I think it's I think it's totally totally fine. I do a bit in my in my stand up set about it uh, because I just think everyone you you insist that you don't have a type, Kelly. But... No, I, d- I don't have a physical type. Um, yeah, it, I don't judge. May no, I do judge people for having a very strict physical type. Actually, just because it doesn't make sense to me, because I go more off a of feeling or a chemistry I have with somebody, or I can yeah. appreciate when somebody's sort of conventionally good looking, but I often change my mind about that once I start talking to them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, and vice versa. Somebody might walk into a room and I might just think, "Oh, he's average looking," and then yeah. I. And he's really funny, or he's really kind, or clever, and I'm like, oops, hang on, I think I think I like this one. So I yeah. don't have as much of a type. So we do argue about that a lot, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> I suppose it's hard though. But what do you then do if you don't particularly, you're not particularly attracted to to a type? I suppose you don't say it on national television. Probably that's the, probably the first thing that you, that's probably the first bit of advice. But. I think, you know, it addressed some very serious and very interesting conversations, as has lots of uh, situations that have happened on Married at First Sight, that it gets people talking about right and wrong. And I think for Jonathan, he believes that it's okay to say things like that. Um, And as I said, I'd like to think that he's changed his mind now on that, but I'm I'm not too sure. Well, I think my, my criticism of him wasn't really about having a type. It was more that the idea of I, I have a type and I don't care if you're offended by the way I deliver that information. Mm-hmm. That was the problem. Yeah, but I, I think he does care, though. I just think that, you know, because he's been backed into a corner with everyone saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's like, you know, when you're a child and everyone's like, you're wrong, you're wrong. You're like, I don't care. You're wrong. <laughs> so what? You know, it's just like you just saying anything just to get back when he's cal- when he calms down and maybe he's just him and Sophie. 
maybe it's in that space that you can say, you know what, upon reflection, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I think he did apologise to her. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we, we caught that. But yeah, it's, it, it must be difficult when you're really under fire from people like Thomas and, and Jenna wasn't, you know, wasn't holding back either with him. So I did feel sorry for him last night. There was a, it was a dramatic, dramatic dinner party. <laughs> he, he ruffled feathers and, you know, I would say that if I was at that dinner party, therapist or no therapist, I probably would have responded quite similarly to some of the other people because I think it does hit a nerve, particularly for women, it does hit a nerve if you make comments about a woman's body and, you know, if you get bigger, then I, I won't find you attractive. And it's like a lot of women that then go on to have children, naturally their bodies will you know, become bigger, you know, or, you know, as we know that, you know, you, you can eat a chocolate bar in your 20s and your 40s, it, you know, it sits differently on your body. So, yeah, it does, it does hit a nerve, I think, for, for a lot of people, particularly, particularly women. Um, but I don't believe that Jonathan meant it to be offensive to women. Yeah, he was, he was just sort of trying to defend himself, really, wasn't, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think so. Talking about hitting a nerve. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Whitney. Um, so initially I sort of stuck my neck on the line and was defending her constantly on the podcast saying to me she just seems like a little girl that's grieving the loss of her mammy and she's got this wall up because she's trying to protect herself and now now I just look like a bit of an idiot because <laughs> she's dropped her walls for Matt and uh, do you think maybe it was just that she didn't fancy Duca he wasn't her type well, I think both things can exist in the same space. So I, I do believe that Whitney is a young girl who is grieving her mum. You know, I think, I think as I've said in the press before, you know, what she has been through, I mean, just brings tears to my eyes, just the thought of it, you know, let alone the fact that she has lived that and she's still living that. So how she even, you know, moves one step forward and, and lives life, I, I don't know. So I, I genuinely have a lot of love for Whitney some of her behaviours and some of her actions, I don't agree with. Um, I, I do feel like for her, there wasn't a spark for her with Duca. So I don't feel like she gave it a chance. So a classic example would be when I did the intimacy exercises with them. Of course, you know, we've not seen, you guys just saw the edited version, like the awkward, st me standing there awkwardly when Keisha and Kwame were <laughs> about to, I don't know, get it on or whatever was happening, whatever was happening there. Um, but with uh, Whitney and Duca, as soon as I went into the room, they were very welcoming. We had a good old laugh, but Whitney was quite adamant that she wasn't going to do any of the tasks. Now, again, it was edited and, you know, I, I don't want to sort of come across as, you know, as, as uh, you know, I'm not going to say anything negative about production. It's, it's not an easy job to edit. I wouldn't want to do it. There's a lot of footage, but... Um, I think what you didn't see was that it wasn't that it wasn't me sort of saying to Whitney and Duca, there you go, go and kiss. I just wanted to add that because I think that's really important, particularly as the intimacy coach. That's definitely not something that I would do. It's me saying that these are a range of intimacy tasks. Choose which ones work for you. And if you can build it up from kind of doing a talking exercise to a bit of a touch exercise. And if you want to do the kiss exercise, you know, have some fun with it and go, go with it. Whitney was adamant that she wasn't going to do any of it. Um, <laughs> and it didn't matter how I presented it, you know, how animated I was. Um, you know, she had a laugh with it, but she wasn't going to do it. Um, I think she finally did one of the tasks and it was kind of a bit half-heartedly. So I I think that she just didn't fancy Duca and she wasn't willing to um, 
to try much more until Matt came along and then we saw a different side of Whitney. Yeah, we certainly did. Uh, the, um, in terms of the matching process then, because to me, that first episode, when we're hearing the description of the type of person that Whitney's into, Duca ticks all those boxes. He's, how is he different from Matt, really? He's got, he's got no tattoos on his face, but otherwise he's a big bloke. He's got, you know, he's got a big beard, all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I didn't see what the issue, what the issue was. Was, it, was there a concern in your matching or were you like pretty confident with that one? I think there was a level of confidence that that would be a really good match. Like Duker is a good looking guy. He has the beard. He's very kind as well, very loyal. Um, yes, you know, in a group, group of people, he is, um, I want to use the word loud, but I don't know, I don't want to use the word showman either, because I think that was Whitney's words. But I think, you know, he, he, he's a sociable person. And, you know, I think that's a really lovely quality to have. Um, but equally, you know, when you speak to Duke on a one-to-one, He's kind, he's loyal. When you listen to how he speaks about people, about women, he's, he's the nicest guy. So I was a bit taken aback that Whitney didn't give him a chance, but I feel like she didn't give him a chance from the wedding. So it wasn't like, you know, if, even before he opened his mouth, she was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Um, so I genuinely don't feel like she gave him um, a chance at the beginning. Um, I think towards the end she tried, but then, you know, obviously Matt then came along and I think her focus was then on, on him. How do you feel about the uh, introduction of new couples kind of halfway through the, through the process? Because obviously that didn't, didn't happen last year. So are you, yeah. a, you a fan of that addition? Yeah, absolutely. You see, I think the things are very at first sight, like we want it to replicate real life. Now, you know, you will be with a partner in real life. You will completely be into them. Everything's going really well. And you maybe you go to a dinner party and there are new couples there and you're kind of navigating those new couples and looking at kind of what it brings in your own relationship. You know, are you looking at how close they are? Are you comparing it to your own relationship? How do you manage and navigate that? So these are real life situations that occur in, in relationships. Of course, in terms of from a TV point of view, it's like, it's fascinating to watch the dynamics as well. Like, of course, right? It like, as much as we're trying to replicate real life, it is a TV show as well, right? So there's an element of entertainment there. I think that that's clear to see. However, there are some serious topics that come up as a result of the intruder couple coming in. And I think that, that, that that's quite powerful. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of have a, it's a double-edged sword for me, the new couples coming in, because I like the drama that it brings. Um, but also, I find that I've become so emotionally invested in the couples that we've seen since the beginning that it takes yeah. me a while to care as much about the new couples. <laughs> Are you saying you don't care about the other couple? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It just makes you realise how emotionally invested you are in the ones that have been there since the beginning. Because you, you sort yeah. of forget, oh, hang on, they were new just three weeks ago. Uh, but yeah. I, I feel like I know them like my own now. It's just a very powerful TV program, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, could, I could forget that. I think they were the um, intruder couples because they have such, their stories are so powerful, like they quickly become part of the whole story with Married at First Sight. So at first you see sort of Sophie and Jonathan walking in really innocently. Hi, everyone. Hi, 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 everyone. And, you know, you get Gemma and Matt and they're, you know, the couple with all the tattoos and, you know, you see their personalities. It's like, hi, everyone. Hi. And it all feels like 
Mary Poppins and like <laughs> roses and petals and cream and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, things start to happen. You know, you get the, the Matt and um, Gemma story, you get the um, Sophie and Jonathan story kicking off and you start to get involved with another set of couples with another set of stories. Yeah. Yeah, especially this year, I suppose it was basically two in, two out that week, because BJ, yeah. BJ and Jess went. Oh, yeah. And, oh, God, we have to t- talk to you about Lara, Lara and Richie. That was... Okay. <laughs> what was your level? Of, when we spoke to Paul, he said that, that, that he's always trying to find the balance between what is going to be entertaining. He's, he said he's come to the realisation that a lot of people watch this not to celebrate love, but to enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the drama. So there's a certain amount of matching where... Some you'll be very confident about, and some you'll feel a bit more lukewarm about. How do you how do you navigate that? Is it, are there disagreements between the three of you about what what might be a successful successful? No, Paul, Mel, and I never disagree. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're always on the same page. No, I mean I say that in jest, but most of the time we do agree um, with 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 the matching process and with what's going on within the relationships um, of the couples. But I think there are definitely times where we're like, mm, not sure about this. And we're all quite convincing. So I suppose we'll get to a point where we'll sort of talk our points so much that we'll get to a stage where, where the other person's like, okay, all right, yeah, cool. Okay, that makes sense. You know, I mean, no one's gonna go ahead with something if we don't agree with it. That I mean, that goes without saying, but um overall we are we see things, you know, in, in the same way. You know, got married, had lots of fun together, were fully in love, and then went off into the sunset. All the couples, like, I don't know if you guys would watch it, like to be honest. I don't know if I would. I think it would be like, oh, it's just, this is really nice, but then it'd probably get a bit boring. Yeah, definitely. You, you you want the love stories, but yeah, you won't watch it without the drama. Yeah. That's... And you want real life to be reflected as well. Like real life isn't usually the Adam and Taya story necessarily. Like, I mean, you know, it's you it, it usually doesn't go like that. Usually it is the the Jenna and the Zoe's, the Keisha and the Kwame's, where people, you know, they stay together and people are like, how are you guys together? Because there's maybe conflicts and things that they've got to work through. Like that's like real relationship isn't it you mentioned Keisha and Kwame there right and I was planning to ask you because you are you're a sex therapist you're an intelligent woman yeah (laughs) can you please unpack Kwame's vocabulary for me because I don't (laughs) know what the man is talking about ever like what was free about <laughs> yeah so I, I think the thing is with Kwame is that he is really trying to be respectful to the process and respectful to Keisha but sometimes it doesn't quite uh happen the way that he would like it to so he I think sometimes feels like if he uses lots of words then you know he will get closer and closer to the point that he's trying to make. <laughs> But bless him, I think sometimes what can happen is that the more words he uses, the more he loses people. So there are lots of times during a commitment ceremony where, I mean, my, I'm always very expressive. So if you ever want to know what I'm really thinking, just look at my face. I like, it's classic um, from the frowns. I mean, it's so funny, like the, the different shots that they've captured of my face expressions, frowning and shaking my head and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, geez, I didn't realize that I was so expressive. 
But I think for Kwame, like for me, with all the words, I'm like, but what's the point? Like, tell me what the point is. Tell me, do you like Keisha or not? Tell me, even if you say to me, I don't really like her 100% right now in that way, but you know, can you help? Can you help us so that we can get to that stage? Then I can work with that. But I was struggling a little bit because I, I couldn't work out like what the story was. Do you like her? Do you not? You, you took her to, your, to the park bench, you know, and <laughs> is it Leighton or Leighton Stone? Like gorgeous area, but you know, you know, it didn't take her to your house. We didn't see your family with her. Like, I, 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 I don't get it. Well, that's, that's what's so confusing, especially that moment, because literally the commitment ceremony before that, he said, we're all right now, we can leave. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't want her to come to his house. So it's, um, it's so surprising, actually. I tell you, that, that scene was so memorable for me because never have I been in front of a couple that have said, no, we're good. <laughs> we don't need you anymore like, I couldn't actually believe that that was what he was saying and I, I kept looking at Keisha to, and I was thinking are you in agreement with this too like I couldn't work out from her face expression whether she was or not so I kept looking at her thinking are you both really coming to the commitment ceremony <laughs> in front of three experts with all the other couples watching you and saying no we're good I still don't get it yeah it is they were very confusing and I'm a bit confused by Keisha as well because she seems very strong and independent. I kind of, I can't believe she hasn't written leave once yet. Like, surely she's she, she's clocked it now that he doesn't. He's just babbling. Like, surely she should she'd believe. I, I think the thing is for Keisha. I think she, she. I think wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that you know the scenes that we're seeing. Obviously, you know it. It feels and it looks quite clear that mm, you know he's not really into her. But you know. They have private conversations behind closed doors. Um, and I suspect that there are things that he had been saying to her that kind of maybe gave her some hope, you know, or maybe made her feel like, okay, maybe this is going somewhere. Because one thing that he kept saying was that he's quite a private person and he has children outside of the experiment. So it's important for him to not jump into something. And I, and I get that um, and to represent himself well. Um, and also he's from a Ghanaian culture as well. And so that's important from a cultural point of view that you, know, you represent yourself in, in, a, in a particular way, you know, in, in a respectful way. So that I think was always there for Kwame. I think the problem's quite confusing, I think, for Keisha in terms of like, where, where do we stand? So let's look at that intimacy exercise that I gave them. I mean, you know, they were... <laughs> Look, I, I I knew when it was time to go. Let's just say that. <laughs> I knew when it was time to go. Yeah. My job here is done. It's done. <laughs> it's a Nanny McPhee type thing, isn't it? Like, you know, you don't need me right now. I'm gone. I'm out of here. So, yeah. So there was chemistry. There was definitely chemistry between the two of them. That's, that's interesting because that's the bit that I keep not seeing. I put um, it on Twitter that... They seem to be getting, going along nicely, and I, I have thought Kwame is trying to be respectful of Keisha and um, going about it in, you know, excessively wordy way. I just I put a tweet on saying I just don't see any romantic chemistry, and that all the comments were just, no, don't see it, don't see it, don't see it. So, yeah, I've just there must be things going on that we're not seeing, yeah. I think. Well, there were, I think there were, there were pockets of situations that 
that we saw where it felt like, okay, there's a little bit of a, a connection there. So there was a time where Keisha sort of put her, Keisha put her arm around uh, Kwame. Um, you know, there was some eye contact that we saw most definitely when I did that intimacy task with them. I mean, look, let me tell you about this intimacy task. So the plan was that Keisha was going to come in, in my mind, right? That Keisha was going to come in in like maybe like a little vest top, just a little bit of pair of shorts, just so that there's enough body showing that, you know, that maybe Kwame can do a bit of a massage on her. Wasn't expecting Keisha to come out in that gorgeous, sexy, oh my gosh, outfit. Literally, I was speechless. And I remember her saying, do you think this is too much? And I, 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 I was speechless. I was like, babe, like, I, wow. A, all that gorgeous body. The outfit was amazing. And I just thought, you know what? This is a girl that is given her heart and is willing to be vulnerable and to give it a go. And I genuinely respected her for that. Um, and then when Kwame came in, he had his shirt off and I think he had little shorts on. I was like, okay, Kwame's really ready for this too. So, and then I said to Kwame, it's up to you whether you have a blindfold on or not. He's like, no, give me the blindfold. I'll, I'll wear the blindfold. Yeah, I'll wear the blindfold. <laughs> so they were so up for that activity. And then, like I said, the time came where I knew, you know, when you just feel the sexual energy rise. <laughs> you can just feel it in the space. <laughs> That's my time to go. And I went out there and I, and I took my suitcase and I left. <laughs> Shot of you running down the corridor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Taxi. <laughs> yeah. Another big Kwame moment, which we have to talk about, is the uh, when he when he dropped the bomb about Matt and Whitney at that retre- retreat. That's another thing, actually, uh, the change in the format. You, are you a fan of the retreat? Because that just seems like a recipe for carnage. Well, I mean... Retreats are supposed to be that, right? That you retreat and enjoy <laughs> <laughs> and you relax and you know it's a nice peaceful environment. Um, but of course, you know, we've got uh, lots of personalities where you know people are quite opinionated and people are frustrated and angry and hurt. Um, but you know, there also there's lots of laughter, you know, so you know, there were times where they were all sort of playing music together and having a good old laugh. I mean, before the storm kicked in, of course. Um, Kwame delivering that message the way that he did. I mean, TV gold, to be honest, yeah. in terms of like, did he just say that? It was, a, yeah, it was a strange, it was a strange affair, the whole, the whole retreat. Like the questions that people, that people were asked, you know, who do you, which other groom would you be with? Which other bride would you would you be with? What is the, the purpose of those questions? Mm. So, okay, let's take it back to the real world. You know, I have like a little plug here, like sex quiz cards. And, you know, my sex quiz cards, there's lots of questions on there that couples will ask each other. And I suppose it's to kind of get people talking and thinking and exploring and working through difficult feelings, insecurities, or whatever it may be. I think it really tests the quality and the strength of your answer a question. Actually, I really respect, you know, this person, this other person. And if I wasn't married to this person, this would be someone that would be my type. Now, I suppose from a relationship point of view, it's like, you know, can that relationship stand the test of time? Like, can that relationship survive such information? And how do they work through it? And look, of course, I know it to some extent it's entertaining to watch, but for us, it's also about, I suppose, teaching the world how to navigate these types of 
situations and conversations and insecurities and jealousies, etc. And if they really struggle to do it, then they come to the commitment ceremony and we work on it with them. Mm-hmm. We actually discussed that on the podcast because I said, I think it's really healthy in a marriage to be able to say, oh, he's fit, she's good looking and just discuss it together because it shows that you know you're always going to come back to each other. But you yeah. weren't so sure, were you? I, I think it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> dangerous ground, <laughs> dangerous territory. Why do, why do you think it's dangerous? I just think hey, you, you're asking for trouble. I mean, I do understand rationally what, what you're saying, that, yeah, of course, it's uh, you, you're giving yourself an obstacle that you can then overcome and thereby strengthening your relationship, mm. uh, assuming it is strong enough to, to overcome that obstacle. But I just think, I, I, and I, I know me and my wife are going along all right. I don't know, why, why am I making my life harder? <laughs> No, you are right. But the thing is, you know, if we don't talk about some of these things, it doesn't mean that they're not there. And what then happens is it just then rears its ugly head at a time when you least expect it. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do with this information? So, for example, if let's say your wife, (laughs) I'm not sure she's listening to this, but let's say your wife believes that your type is a particular type of woman, she it would be good if she could address that with you and you could speak about it and then you both feel really clear about the situation where you can say no you know what you are the type of woman I want to be with for example Mm -hmm. if she doesn't speak to you about it and then you both go out to a nice club and then she sees you sort of talking to another woman very innocently and then really reacts you'll wonder where's this come from like I, I don't understand like what what so what we're trying to do is say look let's address some of the kind of the elephant in the rooms. Like, you know, of course there are lots of good looking people on Married at First Sight. Mm-hmm. Are there any couples, are there any individuals that you think, hmm, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe being in a relationship with someone like that. And let's talk about it. Let's bring it out in the open and let's see if your relationship can, uh, can withstand that. So there you go. You can have that chat with Claire later. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll be good. She's not, I'm not in her good books at the moment anyway, Charlene. I don't oh, no. <laughs> you said that she's not feeling too well. So maybe like this is an opportunity to really get in there and show her how nurturing you are and how much she means to you. Yeah, but then I have to do stuff. And I don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look after her. I'll do my, I'll do my best. Uh, I, I went out drinking on the weekend. I didn't come back for, for a day, so... <laughs> yeah. oh, that, oh wow yeah but you know but you apologized and you you know you spoke to her about you know next time you won't do it like that and you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, took the, I took the 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 swearing for you know a good 20 30 minutes <laughs> like yeah I deserve, I deserve this <laughs> pcb actually put a poll up about that behavior the other day oh really and he he said it was more than a red card it was like instant dismissal territory <laughs> oh <laughs> Because it was huge disrespect. I don't think right. Do you, see as, do you see it as disrespect, over? I feel like the, the conversation now has gone into your relationship with no, me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> do I say it's disrespect? Uh, I, I think, it, yeah, disrespect might be a bit strong. It, it's a bit rude. We didn't necessarily have plans on the Sunday, but I did leave on Saturday tea time saying, oh, I'll probably be back by nine or ten. I'm not really up for it. And then came back at about five o'clock on the Sunday. Uh, wow. Were you in touch with her? Did you sort of check in with her? And 
I'd sent a message on the Saturday night saying that I was staying at staying at my mates, uh, which you sort of could sort of anticipate that that might happen. And then uh, my phone died on the Sunday, so I got one of my mates to message it. Okay. So there was there was some contact, but you know, it's, it, it wasn't great behaviour. Okay. I think she deserves some flowers. <laughs> okay. I also think yeah. you need to pay Charlene for this session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free session. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Actually, just while we're talking about the work you do, Charlene, because um, I've been fangirling all over you, and uh, you have a really exciting workshop on the 19th of November, haven't you, called Bringing Sexy Back, which teaches women how to orgasm. Now, I have a bit in my stand-up all about how how we need all of the conditions to be right. We need the stars to align. We're so different to men in that way. But the minute I read about this workshop, Charlene, and I know I'm wrong, I know it won't be like this. My head went straight to this image of a lot of women with handheld mirrors getting acquainted with their tuppences for the first time. (laughs) But I know it's not like that. So what can women expect from that? (laughs) No, as you said, I just had that image of, yeah, women women (laughs) with mirrors. No, it's not that at all. It's, it really is just a safe space to listen to and learn about the facts around orgasms, um, to include the different types of orgasms that you can have, because you know, we've been taught that there's just one orgasm and it's kind of like the when Harry met Sally kind of type orgasm, you know, that over the top, you know, um, orgasm. And so this is a workshop where we're teaching people what an orgasm is, you know, can everyone have it, you know, the different types of orgasms. And of course, you know, all those topics that, you know, people want to know about, but are kind of afraid to ask, you know, around oral sex, around squirting, like, can everyone do it? What is it? Where does it come from? You know, all those kind of questions that people sometimes just don't know. And there's nowhere to really go to get those answers. So, um, yes, that's a workshop basically where we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about sex and it's just just for ladies. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. Is it going to be online or is it just in person? So it's just in person. I think, yeah, a lot of people sort of ask, can I do it online? And not quite sure if I want to do that just yet. Just because I like, like last year when we did bring sex back, it was so amazing to just have all these women in one place. Like they all came in really shy, you know, kind of like, oh my gosh, what's Charlene going to talk about? Sort of thing, you know, bowing their head and they sat down and some people came by themselves so they didn't know each other. And then they left like Beyonce or Rihanna, like kind of clicking their fingers <laughs> and walking out. And, you know, they, 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 they left so confident and there were lots of like emails like, you know, I had sex for the first time with my husband last night or like, you know, we had a good conversation about sex, all that you said, Charlie, and then we started to have sex. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm helping the world to have sex. Yeah, that is brilliant. Get it on a t-shirt. Do you know? <laughs> I think I might just do that. <laughs> just to just to bring that back to, to Married at First Sight, then actually, is that yeah? How does it how does it go the first few weeks? Because I sort of imagine that's the difficulty is, is breaking down, especially for men, like the, the the discomfort about talking openly about sex in front of a room full of you know, at the beginning, sort of strangers and camera crews and everything like that. Is it is that very difficult? <laughs> I mean, look, you know, they have a choice. The couples have a choice as to whether they share what's been happening in the bedroom or not. You know, I, you know, as much as people might think I'm really interested in what people, the details of what people do in their bedroom, I'm not. But what 
is really important is intimacy in a relationship, particularly physical intimacy uh, for, for most couples, not for everyone. Um, and so it is a question that I ask. And I think if you come onto the show and you know that there's a sex therapist, you obviously have to expect that the question is going to be asked, like, you know, what's happening? And look, there were couples that are willing to say, look, we're, we're doing it and we're enjoying it, you know? And I think Jenna and Zoe had said that. I think Jordan and Shanita had said that. And they were having a good old giggle. I mean, you know, as I've said before, you know, I know when someone's had sex anyway. So I can, I can see the energy, the way they look at each other. I can see the body language, you know. And it's that when you've seen someone naked, when they're fully clothed, you kind of, your body language is kind of, I don't know, like a tune. It's like a line, you know, because you've seen each other in the most vulnerable position. So Jenna and Zoe, Jordan and Shanita, kind of knew it before they told me um but there were other couples that were quite private and you know and that's their prerogative and I completely respect that I think Keisha and Kwame being being one of them yeah we've um been talking about this idea that if you hold off on sex for too long you can end up in the friend zone but I I don't know to me I understand holding off on sex um as a power move, I understand it as a way to protect yourself or as a, a moral thing. But in this experiment, you've married somebody, you, you're interested in them, say, in this scenario. Why, why are they not? Why would somebody not in that situation? Well, I mean, some people just not ready. You know, um, you didn't see this on the show, but I spoke to one of the couples about like some people like associate themselves more with being what they call demisexual. So, you know, where an emotional connection needs to be like a real deep emotional connection needs to be there before they, before that sexual attraction comes. And, you know, there are a lot of people where, and actually I suppose it depends on the couple as well, because there are some people that you meet where there's an instant like sexual spark where, you know, and I always say as, as some with the ladies, you know, you try to kind of like hold out and then you end up like having some, sex in the first night or something you're like oh gosh I was, I was trying to hold out the date number two or three because the sexual spark is so strong that you just like you just want to go for it but then, then there are some times and it could be you know in line with past relationships where things haven't gone quite right for you and you want to protect yourself where you just say look you know I'm going to give it a bit more time to see like where this relationship goes and then and then the sexual connection the sexual uh sexual intercourse will take place so People just have to do what works for them. Well, I was going to ask one of the couples we've not spoken about yet is Thomas and Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> because I can see that they're, they're def- definitely developing quite a strong bond. And uh, Thomas is getting calmer, amazingly, just, you know, despite how, uh, how much he went off at Jonathan at the, the dinner party last night. Uh, and Adrian feels like he's not having to police him as, as much. But that was the question at the last commitment ceremony was that was a sexual spark. And I just this is a good example of where is it just that they're friends and that just isn't there? And that might have changed had they been sexual earlier in the relationship. Mm. I think uh, so. I have to start by saying I absolutely love Thomas and and Adrian. They're they're the, the cutest couple. Thomas completely makes me laugh like literally Thomas is one of those like naughty school kids that you try to tell off and then you realize that they've actually said something really funny um <laughs> you know like from his face expressions to his one-liners I feel like he needs his own show he's like amazing so witty like literally amazing but I think with you're right with Thomas and Adrian they are like really good friends that's clear they you know they've built a trust now haven't they and so you know Thomas 
believes that Adrian wants the best for him and Adrian is just so committed to Thomas but I think yeah they are going to get to a stage where they are going to have to have that really difficult conversation around the sexual connection um, because that is important for both of them and we've not seen much of that it might be though because there's so much drama going on around them that whether they want to or not they're kind of getting pulled into other stories mm-hmm. um, and I think you might have heard us say at one of the dinner parties when Mal, Paul and I were watching that yes Thomas and Adrian's getting so caught up in the other stories but what about them as a couple and I, I yeah I, I, I'm just keen for them to kind of focus on that part as well them as a couple. They have got a lovely dynamic though, haven't they? Like mm-hmm. it's been lovely to watch it unfold. And the other couple that have had a sort of great dynamic from the beginning is Shanita and Jordan. But last night at the dinner party, when he kind of sort of dropped a bit of a bombshell that he wasn't in love yet, I don't mm. know if they're going to come back from that. Can you come back from that? I know you can't tell us about Shanita and Jordan, but can a couple come back from one of them being so vocal that they're not in love? I think that the expectation that a lot of us have is that the perfect couples are couple that don't argue that you know that are always laughing that have good sex that, that you know all the other ingredients that we know that um make up a good relationship and then people get a bit worried when there's like an argument it's like oh my gosh like can they still stay together can it work and really like the real test of any relationship is being able to work through conflict and repair it quickly and move on we have seen this issue kind of come up for Jordan and Shanita in terms of, I don't know if you picked up on what it was that he had said, that Jordan feels like there needs to be, he needs to be in love before he moves in with someone. Um, I think for me, I would have liked Jordan to have said that maybe in private with Shanita. Um, so that, because it just looked like Shanita was a bit shocked by that comment. She'd just come back from the homestays, they were at the dinner party. As a couple, they know that there's lots of drama around the table, but they weren't expecting, you know, I don't think Shanita was expecting that drama to be within their relationship. Um, but in saying that, Jordan, bless him, he was really trying. I mean, he he's very fond of Shanita. I think that he absolutely loves her. So he was trying to be very sensitive with how he was saying it. But I think the more he was trying to find the words to just explain how he was feeling, yeah, the harder I think that was for Shanita to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really felt for her. Yeah, I felt for it, but I do think it was a good example of what you said of of them hitting a hitting an obstacle and and overcoming it together. They, they resolved it quite quickly, I think. And I don't think he was saying it. He was clumsy with yeah. the way he said it, but I don't think there was any malice there. You no. know, no, definitely not. And they do bring that to the commitment ceremony, so it is explored further. Um, and you know, Paul Mill and I give our thoughts on what they can do to to get past this issue. One thing I've noticed this year, actually, is that you seem to be getting a lot more screen time in the commitment ceremony, which we're, we're big fans of. The, the, first, the first week, it was, it was almost Mel and Paul weren't there. You were <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as, as I've always said, I think you guys have said this in, on Instagram, like last, like I'm an opinionated person, right? And I talk a lot, as you guys know. So, you know in terms of I think some people thought that last year I wasn't saying much I'm not in control of how things are put together 
Um, and that's not me saying anything negative about the editing. It's it's a huge job. I wouldn't want to do it. There's lots of footage that they have to create and make a story. I don't know why they make the choices that they do in terms of like how they edit things. Um, but what I do know is both last year and this year, I was just as vocal. Um, my face never lies. The face expressions you'll always see <laughs> me. You'll always know what I think through my face expression anyway. Um, but in terms of being vocal, like that has been me throughout. Um, but yes, you're right. You know, you're definitely seeing more of my face this time around and um, me speaking more, um, which is which is good to see. And also as well, I think for me, being a sex therapist, it is amazing to have a platform to be able to share with the world facts around sex and relationships. Like that's just a dream. So, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I just thought for some bizarre reason, it, this is the first time it's occurred to me, you're the only expert that gets their own week with the contestants, really, because well, that's how it's shown anyway, that the intimacy yeah. that they do, the challenges that you set them. But it's, that was just the first time that it occurred to me. So that must feel quite nice that you get to have a bit of extra time with the contestants. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's really lovely was the the exercises that I did with Whitney and with um, Keisha and Kwame, those two intimacy exercises, they didn't know that I was coming. So, you know, when I knocked on the door, I mean, I was, I mean, I love things like that. I was kind of shaking a little bit. I was like, oh my gosh. So I knocked on the door and their face expressions when they saw me was a picture. Like, I don't know if it was captured, um, you know, on, on the show, but they were like, oh my gosh. And when they <laughs> saw the suitcase, I, I think it was Kwame when he saw the suitcase, he was like, oh gosh, I thought I know what you've got in there. Yeah. And then I opened this suitcase, it had like, everything you can imagine like massage oils like little feather boas and all sorts of stuff <laughs> and like candles there was like a heated scented candle uh for like sex play um but yeah they didn't use that but yeah it, it, it was a lot of fun I love that you can just imagine them thinking oh god the sex woman is here <laughs> yeah and it was like a weekend as well so it really they were really relaxed chilling <laughs> sun was shining <laughs> you know they knew that they weren't going to see us for a while at the commitment ceremony and it's like not 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 Charlene by herself oh my gosh what is Charlene doing here that was really that was really funny I bet, bet Kwame just wanted to run to the park at that point he did I think he was curious oh to the park did you say <laughs> Sorry, I just realized what you said there I think so I think so I think Kwame was really curious about like um like, hey, like, what's this going to be about? Okay, okay. Like, I think he was quite keen. And like I said, Keisha and Kwame were really good sports. They really were keen to do it. So, um, yeah. It went better than I thought it would, in fact, with, with those two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you've told us a couple of you had to make a sharp exit. So <laughs> yeah, it was good. The last, I, I don't know if they sh uh, showed, showed it on the show, but I said to Keisha, when you finish massaging him, like go nearer to his ear and say thank you really quietly and he she did that and he flinched and I just thought this is great I love it <laughs> because he wasn't expecting to hear anything because he was so like zoned into the you know the power of the touch and all the sensations on his back and obviously he was blindfolded so you know if you kind of shut down one of the senses it kind of heightens others so he wasn't expected to hear anything in his ear he just sort of flinched and it was just such a funny moment. And yeah, it was at that point I realised that it was my time to go. <laughs> and I headed out of there. I love it. You're like a sex magician. <laughs> have, you, have you written a book yet, Charlie? No, is that on the cards maybe? Uh, do you know what? I have so many things on my to-do list. Um, 
so the next thing for next year will definitely be a podcast because um, there's been a lot of people asking for podcasts on all topics linked to sex and relationships. And I think it would be great to have a platform where um, I control the editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. But in terms of a book, um, no plans at the moment to write a book, no. I think you should. Just Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I've got one more question, if it's okay, but it's about you, Charlene. Okay. So I recently read on Instagram, like a proper stalker, that you like a chat-up line. <laughs> and I was wondering what's the best chat-up line you've ever had used on you? I just like cheat. The cheesier, the better. I think for me, it just shows like confidence, like that they can come over to me. Um, yeah. And then t- particularly if they do it in front of my friends as well, like, you know, if they come straight over to me, my friends are there and then they come up with this like cheesy chat up line, particularly where for a moment, I think that they've been serious. So I'm just like listening and like, like, excuse me. And I'm like, yeah. And then they, <laughs> some, they say something like cheesy. I think for me, that does it for me. But I'm someone, I like humour. So, you know, that's something that's very attractive to me, humour and confidence. So, um, actually, now I've said that I'm going to get DMs of random blokes. (laughs) (laughs) So many. (laughs) Yeah, my DMs are full of interesting people, I I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Including us. No, you guys are lovely. I love hearing from you guys. I have to say, like, Mask Hysteria is, like, the number one podcast go-to. I listen to it in my car, laughing and giggling away as you guys are like commenting and saying things that I think that I'm not allowed to say out aloud. So um, yeah, I absolutely love listening to your podcast. Really, really amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank really, you. Really appreciate that. And thank you for your time. It's, you know, it's always great to, great to have you on. And I know Kelly loves talking about sex. I do. <laughs> well, because as we've seen on this series, we're not normally allowed as women, are we? So <laughs> it's nice to meet another woman who gets it and wants to talk about it. So yeah, thanks. most definitely. Yeah, we need to talk more about it. I think, yeah, I feel like, you know, we're still in a world where it's okay for men to talk about sex, but it's not really okay for women to talk about it. And um, yeah, I want to change the world. Yes, get that on the back of the t-shirt. <laughs> on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Charlene. We thank really you, Charlene. appreciate it. Oh, likewise. I love you speaking to you guys. Thank you.